Lord, to receive the word as it is and be the word of God. We pray that in speaking, it will not be the words of men, but Lord, it will speak to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for the answer. We give you praise forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'd like to welcome us once again to uh, the house of God. This morning we're looking at a message titled, The Promise of a New Heart. The Promise of a New Heart. Reading from the book of Ezekiel 36, I'm reading from verse 16 all through to verse 27. Ezekiel chapter 36 from verse 16 to verse 27. Here the servant of God and the prophet of God, he knew the mind of God and he was speaking to the people of God that very mind. So Ezekiel begins in verse 16, he says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. Wherefore I poured my fury upon them. For the blood that they had shed upon the land, and for their idols wherein they had polluted it, and I scattered them among the heathen. And they were dispersed through the countries, according to their way and according to their doings. I judged them. Verse 20 And when they entered into the heathen, whither they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said to them, these are the people of the Lord, and I got forth out of his land. But I had pity for my own holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen, whither they went. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, Thus said the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. Verse 23, and I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, said the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified. In you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Verse 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. Ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Verse 26, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk, and cause you to walk, and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them in the passage we just read we find from the lips of the prophet the painful heart expression of god as he recounted the inconsistent living of the children of israel he lamented their wayward ways their wanton acts. And though they had prophets, and though they had the privilege of the holy word, the holy commandments, the Pentateuch, the prophets, the Psalms, and all of the word of God, even though they had the prophets and they had the word, they still 
profaning the land. It's something to think about. It's something to give pause to. That a people so blessed, a people so privileged, a people so honored by what nation is there on the earth that is blessed like this nation? And yet, the Bible says, they profaned the land. But the love that God had for his heritage, and in the concern that God had for his holy name, he said, I do not this for your sake, but for my holy name, I will be sanctified in you because you bear the name of God, because you bear the insignia, the stamp of the people of God. I do not want you to be a bad word. I do not want you to be pointed at by the heathen and say, yeah, there go the people of God. They're just like us, in manner like us, in anger like us, in profanity like us, in preference like us. And God said, no, I have put my holy name on you and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to do something definite in your life. Because of the love of his heritage and the concern for his living, the Lord repeated a promise he had made to them when they sojourned in the wilderness. This promise to cleanse the children of Israel and to give them, they call it, a new heart. A new heart. A new heart. A new spirit. He said, I will take from you, I will take something from you. I pray that this morning, God will take something from you. I didn't hear your amen. I pray that this morning, like God took something from Jacob and he began to hobble. He began to he began to work in a stilted manner. God took self-confidence from the man. God took deceit from the man. God took pride from the man. God took all of the Adamic nature from him. And Jacob became dependent on God. Jacob became reliant on God. I pray that every self-reliance in your life, God will take away this morning in Jesus' name. God said, I will take from you the old heart. But I'll give you something new. I pray you will receive something new. You will receive something new. And so the Lord said to them, it's a promise. It's one of the greatest promises in the word of God. It is one of the greatest promises in the word of God. The promise of a new heart. The promise that God will change your very nature. So I will say, well, it's my nature. But God says, I want you to have my own nature. You have your nature. I have my nature. He has his nature. She has his nature. But then we pray, Lord, stamp thy own image. Deface my own nature. Eliminate my own nature. And stamp, Lord. Stamp, Lord. Stamp, Lord. Your own image. Not just on the surface, but deep within my heart. This promise is sometimes referred to as a purified heart. Sometimes we call it a circumcised heart. Sometimes we call it another heart. Sometimes we refer, it, we refer to it as holiness of heart. Other times we call it entire sanctification. That is entire because it affects the seen and the unseen. It affects the hidden and the visible. It affects every aspect of the Christian's life. His mannerisms, his conduct with others, his relationship to the sons of men, his love for God. It is so entire. It is so complete. It comes as a package. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of a loving God to his children to ensure that they bear the likeness of his only begotten son, 
Jesus Christ. Every church that is waiting for the rapture, doesn't matter the denomination, it doesn't matter how long people have been members in the church, it doesn't matter the location, it doesn't matter the generation, but every church that is waiting for the coming of the Lord, or is expecting to hear the trumpet sound at the resurrection and arrive with the Lord, every church, every member of every church, every leader in every church that is expecting the Lord's coming must, must have this experience. In Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians 5, we see the Word of God, as Paul talks about Jesus Christ and his presence, his purpose, and his power in purifying the church. Ephesians 5, I'm reading from verse 26. It says, remember from verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, here now, and give himself for it. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, the church, you and I, members of the body of Christ, that he might sanctify us, that he might sanctify us with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it unto himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The Lord will do it for us in Jesus' name. Number one, the necessity of the promise of transformation. The necessity of the promise of transformation. Number two, the nature of the power of sanctification. The nature. We're going to describe it. What does it look like? How do you know its presence? How do we ensure that we don't deceive ourselves? How do we ensure we don't settle for less than God's best? How do we ensure we have really entered Canaan land and that we're not on the borders of Jordan, we're not on the borders of Jericho? How do we know that we're clean escaped and entered into the very promise of God and now we can rest? Because there remains yet a rest for the people of God. The nature of the power of sanctification. And finally, the nearness of the provision of God to purify. I cannot sanctify you. You cannot sanctify yourself. Yes, I'll be showing you the things that God wants you to do. But ultimately, He, Jesus, Jesus only, we sing, He's our Savior. They will sing, He's our healer. They will sing, Sanctifier. He is the Sanctifier. He sits at the refiner's fire and he purifies the source of Jacob. Sister, so so, come this way. Yes, Lord. I see some spots on you. I see some wrinkles on you. I see many such things on you. Come this way. Yes, Lord. No resistance. No, Lord, I'm not good enough. But so so, come this way. I, I saw the way that you related with that other brother. I saw the way you could not bear cruel reproaches. But my son, when they brought him before Pilate, he opened not his mouth like a lamb before its shares. Come, I want to sanctify you. Yes, Lord. And then he sits down. He is the one. He is the one sitting down. And he's sitting down. He's not in a hurry. Many of us are in a hurry. But God is not in a hurry. He is the ancient of days. We run to, we run through, we run this way. And God says, when you're finished running, you can come. Come and receive. Come and be cleansed. Come and be purged. God. Christ is the sanctifier. There is great necessity, that's where we're going now. Then why did 
the healing I was feeling because of my people. The healing because of the conduct of my people. Because they are no different from the world. And God says, you know, I'm going to do something. And he made a promise. He said, a new heart I'll give you. A new spirit I'll put within you. I will make you to follow my commandments. Why do God have to do it? Let's look at some things very quickly. Number one is the heart expression of the unregenerate sons of Adam. Because of the heart expression of the unregenerate sons of Adam, God needs to sacrifice. In Genesis 6 verse 5, Genesis 6 verse 5, uh, let's, let's look and see. As God looked at the earth, as God looked at the earth, he's looking at every church. He's looking at every family. He's looking at every individual. God, the silent observer, watching his creation, watching those that he has saved by his grace. But look at what God observed as he watched the antediluvian world, the world before the flood. You can ask him the question, why did he destroy that world? And he saved only eight people. And our brother told us that even those eight people, that as they were coming out of the ark, sin was coming out with them, out of the ark. As they were coming out of the ark, the, the human nature, the depraved nature, was following them out of the ark. It's a big problem. It's like a shadow. You can't shake up look at this shadow. I move this way, I move that way. The shadow is still following me. And God says, you can't get rid of the shadow by yourself. If you will humble yourself, if you will come to me, I'll cut off that thing from your life. Look at Genesis 6 verse 5. It says, and God saw that, listen to this, the wickedness of man was great. Man is a wicked creature. Man, on account of his fall, is a wicked creation. It says, God looked on the sons of men and he saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that, listen to this, every imagination of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. Well, maybe it has improved a little bit today. Maybe it's because for a season that people think about evil. Evil is not there. Maybe it's uh, in a particular circumstance that people act in an evil manner, but evil is still there. And God says, what are we going to do to this creation? Sent only because he sought to die for our sins, but not only that, he made provision for our sanctification. Look at Jeremiah 17 verse 9. You're thinking the heart is a good heart, the heart is wonderful, um, you know, it's just great, and uh, the heart, all I have to do is just get a little bit of education, and then I'll be better. But God knows us more than we know ourselves. In Jeremiah 17, and I'm reading from verse 9. Look at the divine verdict of the human heart. The divine verdict about on the human heart. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The Bible says there, the heart, the heart, the human heart, you can see it. You can see it. Good morning, good morning. God bless you, God bless you. How are you doing? How are you doing? But that's not the heart. That's not the heart. You know, you remember that uh, Shakespearean uh, thing? You remember? Julius Caesar? And then, and then the man felt a stab on his back and he turned around. You too? says, 
That's a man is deceitful and desperately wicked. So, number one, God had to make the promise because of the hard expression of the unregenerate sons of Adam. Number two, the hiccups and the inconsistency of the Christian life. The hiccups and the inconsistency of the Christian life. <laughs> I can multiply stories for you, but this is not a story day. This is a day for the word of God. And I, I remember one particular young man. He said, I will follow Jesus to the end. I will follow him. I will follow him. And then when this young man got a job, we didn't see him anymore. We didn't see him anymore. And then he, and I, when I saw him say, I'll follow Jesus, I said, Oh Lord, I want to be like that brother. I want to be like that sister. I want to be like that person. I will follow Jesus to the end of this. But then when God times came, the man went away. The inconsistency and the undulations and the kind of topsy-turvy of many, many Christians, not just a few. And if you walk out, you, you will talk to a Christian and say, well, you know, uh, I thank God, but you know, just the other day, I, you know, I fell into sin, but I thank God that the grace of God is sufficient for me, and the grace of God is, I say, yes, grace is there, but why do you have to fall? Why do you have to stumble? Why do you have to falter? Why can't you take hold of this promise? I said, God, you said in your word, you will give me a new heart. This old heart I have is not working. This old heart I have is not sufficient. This old heart I have, there is a predilection to sin. There's a desire for sin. There's a longing for sin. But God said, I will give you a heart that will long after God. That will desire God. And so, because of the hiccups of the Christian life, have you found them in the wilderness? And I wish I know I wish I was there. I wish I was there. And I saw Miriam, she said, I will sing unto the Lord. For he has shown gloriously. The horse and his rider has been thrown into the sea. And all the women began to sing with her. They began to rejoice. They began to rejoice. My helper, they began to sing. They were singing, they were praising God. Shortly after, the new week, so a few months, they said, kept us a captain to take us back into Egypt. What? They were baptized in the Red Sea. They ate manna, they ate manna. Just like us, like we eat we eat the Lord's Supper. And yet, they rejoiced on one day, the other day, they said, Moses, this is your way is too hard. Give us somebody. I remember Egypt, if you come back. I don't know who in the church saying that they would like to come back to the world. But they're still to bring some of the things of the world into the church. There's still a longing. And I say, God is saying this. I know the human heart. And I need provision. The heart you have now is not going to be sufficient to love me like you want to love me. I need to give you something new. And something new we will receive in Jesus' name. And then think about it. And as they were inconsistent, if you read inconsistent, if you read Numbers 14 and verse 4, time of Philos, you'll see what they said. But let's read 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 5. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 5. The Bible says, And with many of them, God was not well pleased. With many of them. In 1 Corinthians, that is speaking of the people that were in the wilderness. With many of them. God was not well pleased. You know, I was thinking that he said with some of them, but not some. He said many. Many. Do you know that if you're not sanctified, God is not well pleased? Do you know that if you offer a service, that God is looking at the service, and I don't know why you're serving me, you're serving me out of fear. You're serving me because you don't want to go to hell. You're serving me because of what this person will say. If I don't serve God now, they will say this, they will say that. But why don't you serve me because of me? Because of pure love. Serve me in the day. Serve me in the night. Serve me when things are up. Serve me when things are down. Serve me in the, in the valley. And serve me in the mountain. Because God's nature does not change because of my circumstance. He's still God. And then our love for him will not fade or diminish. Because of the circumstances of life, with many of them, God was not well pleased. But look at Jesus Christ. The Bible says, This 
is my beloved son of whom I am well pleased. God will say that about you in Jesus' name. I pray that the Lord, as he puts that forever, will say, this is my daughter. I'm pleased with you. The way you are conducting yourself, the way you live at home, the way you operate at work, the way that you interact with people, the way that you are committed to me and you love me, I pray that the Lord will be well pleased with us. Number three, I've said that the heart expression is one reason. The hiccups and inconsistency of the Christian life is another reason. Then the hypocrisy and the insincerity of the religious. I can tell you about that because I was a hypocrite. We used to go to this church, this particular church. I don't want to castigate the church, but it was a complex church. Remember, every Sunday we dress up, but there was anger, there was malice, there was corruption, there was all sorts of evil. And still, we'll come to church and say, Praise the Lord. And then, you know, the person wears the best dress, has the best car, this and that. And then there was this club, women's club, lion club, this club, and you'll join this club, you'll join Bazaar, you'll do this. During Easter, we'll carry pound around, we'll lay it down, a donkey will come. And even though those outward expressions were there, of God, no mercy of God, no forgiveness, no kindness, no love, no true transformation. And that's why God said, we have to do something different. Because this outward expression, you know, and, and Stephen, Stephen was, was, he was a, was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. And they brought him in Acts chapter 7. And they caught him. They said, they were lying against him. They said, we had this man. He said, this against Moses. He said, that, he said that. They were jealous of him. And they took him and they put him for the Sanhedrin. And the Bible says, he looked at them and he began their history. Go read the history. A blessed mission. Read the history. People that came from the loins of Abraham, read their history. They saw the cloud. They had the covenants. They had the promises. They had the prophets, the rest divided, Jericho was fallen, kings were destroyed, the souls to steal, the Muslims, and he recounted their history. And then he got to Acts chapter 7 from verse 51. Open there, Acts 7, verse 51. And he brought their history to a climax and told them, even though you are religious, you are not righteous. Even though you have the outward expression of yes, good morning, sir, good afternoon, sir, God bless you, sir, there was nothing on the inside that truly reflected the life of the grace and the glory of God. In Acts 7, verse 51, the Bible says there, ye stiffnecked and uncircumcised in heart, in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. When a believer, when the Holy Ghost cannot guide a believer, what is that? When the Holy Ghost says, he said, I'm going to do this, and the Holy Ghost says, brother, because you are born again, because you are a child of God, you have the residue of the Spirit. You understand? You are not baptized, but you have this uh, deposits in your life. Saint God says you are a child of God. The Spirit of God witnesses in your spirit. Yes, I'm a child of God. And then, but when the Holy Ghost tries to lead like a lamb, you say no. And God says, and God says, brother, it's okay. Let this be. No, I'm not gonna let it be because if I'm really a child of God and if I'm really a son of God, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know. And the Holy says, I'm gentle and meek. And a soft word turns away from No, no, no. The Lord is not praying for this. And then God cannot lead you. That's the problem. Ye stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart. You call a young boy, a young boy of maybe 18 or 19, and then you're talking to the young boy and saying, uh, young man, and uh, the grace of God, and God has helped us, and then uh, we're still running the Christian grace, but this way you are going. Uh, it's not going to be. What was that? Are you not my policeman? You mean I don't have my friend anymore? You mean you, you are like, watching me now? You are watching my email? You are checking my list? So, so I don't have freedom anymore. Yeah? I will leave this house. Will, and then we're, then we're saying, <laughs> the young man is, uh, is saying he's born again, but the Spirit of God says, Ye stiff necked and uncircumcised. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. And God is saying, When are we going to come so that He can so transform our 
They snuff out their own blessing. They snuff out their own benefit. That is what the unsanctified mind does. When help is coming your way, you say, oh, I don't want help. And then you're backsliding. You're going the wrong way. And then maybe it's start out and say, brother, have you considered why you're talking to me like that? Should a woman be talking to a man like that? Eh? Is that how you are trained? That a woman will be talking to And then we're ripping all these key ancient things. The sister is simply telling you that you are backsliding. And you know you are backsliding. But it's like, because you're blind, because you're dumb, because you're dead, you've got to receive simple correction. And God is saying, we must put all those things away. Because, uh, you know, without that, it's going to be difficult to meet the Lord. The heart expression of the unregenerate, the hiccups and the inconsistency of the Christian life, the hypocrisy and the insincerity of the religious. What about the hidden and secret sin? Psalm 19 verse 8, Moses prays to God, deliver us from secret sin. You have set our secret sin in the light of your countenance. I want to ask you, any secret sinner in this church? Secret sinner? Is there any secret sinner that is here? What I mean by that is, nobody is watching you, but you know what you do on the internet. Nobody is supervising you, but you know what you're doing at work. Nobody is watching you. And then you're not secret sin here, secret sin there, secret sin there, secret sin there, secret boyfriend there, secret girlfriend there, secret this there, secret that there. And I say, well, I'm a Christian. God is saying, when are you going to put away all these things? That's why God made the provision, God made the, 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 the blessing, and then maybe some secret sin will not be the thing that is ruling your life now. And then finally, why is it that God is concerned about sanctification? It's because of the high standard of dwelling with God eternally. Brothers and sisters, our time on earth is short. You already know, is it Pastor? Why are you telling me something we know? Well, I want to because some people feel like they're going to live until they become like Methuselah. By the grace of God, you will live long. I didn't hear you remember. Am I too hard this morning? <laughs> Maybe I should put some oil. I told you, the things I'm telling you, I'm telling myself too. I want you to get to heaven. I want you to get to heaven. And you will get to heaven in Jesus' name. And so the Lord is saying to us that, you know, we, we, we make sure that we understand that heaven, heaven is really a holy place. It's really holy. And I'm asking myself the question, I'm looking at all the people that come to heaven and I'm saying, Lord, help me. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. And so, it's a high standard. Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So, God saw all of these things made a promise that a new heart will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. And I say, Lord, oh, don't put it this day. Don't put it today. In my heart. In my life. That I won't be just patching off the Christian life. Patching off the Christian life. That there will be a real experience with the Lord. At times, God, I'm going to fly through these other things. And it is the nature of the sanctification experience. The nature of its power. It, it, you know, you understand something? That Calvary itself is power. Everybody say Calvary is power. There is power in Calvary. There is, you know, you say, would you be free from your burden of sin? Would you be free from your passion and your pride? There is power, power in the, there is power, not just power over demons. You know, sometimes we worry so about demons, about devils, about bees, about that, about that. But, Lord will totally 
and verse 12. Sanctification is adorning the doctrine of Christ. That is, you become a living witness. You become a walking Bible. You become an example of Christ. Come again in Colossians 3, and I'm reading from verse 12. The Bible says there, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, come on, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. Let a man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And I'm going to tell you something that is really surprising. Yeah? I'm not going to be, I'm going to be dishonest if I don't say that to you. You know, as a pastor, you have the opportunity, the privilege of interacting with a lot of people. Sometimes, I see very little things will create huge problems, huge conflict. And then I say to myself, Lord, what about this experience that we're supposed to have? It's supposed to make us suffer long. And then we say, Lord, I want to be like Jesus in my heart. I say, Lord, can, can you make that song a reality? Can you, can you take that song and, and transform our life so that we're not like, don't we? And then we say, where is the mercy? Where is the humbleness of mind? Where is the meekness? Where is the long suffering? Where is the forbearing one another? And the forgiving one another. You know the saying, we need this experience. In Ephesians 4, from verse 22. Ephesians 4, and I'm reading from verse 22. And your wife should know you are sanctified. Your husband should know you are sanctified. Brothers and sisters in the church, they should know you are sanctified. They shouldn't be guessing or thinking or saying, well, I'm really sure, I really know. In Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm reading from verse 22, it says there, it says, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful laws and the renewed in the spirit of your mind. And ye put on the new man, new man. You know, a sanctified man does not gossip. A sanctified woman does not criticize people easily. You know, you know we easily criticize people. You know, look at you, you are this, you are that. And I said, hold on a second. That the sanctified man, his speech is seasoned with salt, seasoned with grace, that he may know how to answer every man. The wild man, the disobedient man, the humble man, the, 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 the firefighting man. You understand that this experience equips you with the very life and the very mind of Christ. And time is gone, last point, the nearness of the provision of God to purify. How do we get this experience? How do we get this? Well, it begins by dissatisfaction with what you have. So long as you say, well, I'm in the church, well, I play a role in the church. Well, thank God I'm a member of the Bible Church. Thank God my pastor is Pastor Kui. Thank God the things you are coming don't qualify for heaven. That is activity. God will not say, did he say, follow activity with all men, without which no man shall see the Lord? Is that the Bible verse? Is that the Bible verse? No. Did he say, follow uh, Pastor so and so, and then without which you will see? You will see. You understand something? That the very currency with which we are qualified by God to be in His presence is this experience. That you know this person does not matter. If you've been in the church for a very long time, it doesn't matter. If you've been in the church for a long time and then these things are not found in your life brokenness, humility, selflessness. No more love of self. That is, unless a cup of wheat will fall to the ground and die. And then, if these things are still in our life, God is saying, but how come? How come about this? We must take God. I am dissatisfied with where I am. If you compare yourself with somebody else outside, yes, it's true. Maybe relative to others outside, you're good, you're wonderful, you're great, and 
you dress well and this and that, you can point to this and say, look at those people that are dressing like animals, but thank God for me and this and that. And God is saying, listen, listen, listen. The time is come when judgment will begin in the house of God. Forget about those in the house of God. Forget about those that compare yourself to you. Because God is not going to say, hey, come. Okay, you, you are not believer, but see you are different coming to heaven. No, God is not interested in weighing you according to other people. See, mistake. What God will weigh you and I by is the word of God. The question you should ask yourself, actually, like this, compared to Stephen, am I sanctified? Compared to Daniel, am I sanctified? Compared to Sarah, am I sanctified? Compared to Mary, the mother of Jesus, am I sanctified? Compared to Paul the Apostle, If our children are saying, but why is my father behaving like this? I'm not saying, you know, there are certain things in which you're sitting a child and the child will think what he wants to think. But I'm not saying, if truly indeed you're a wicked man, or you're a wicked woman, or it's like you do business with somebody, a brother, and you defraud the brother, and you say, I am a believer. I'm saying, you understand, you understand what sanctification means? You understand what having the life of God means? And then the brother, when he's praying, says, Oh Lord, they have, they have duped me, they have deceived me. And then in prayer, the brother mentions your name. He says, Oh, oh God, help me to forgive brother so and so because he duped me out of 20,000. <laughs> oh, and your name is even mentioned in a place where what they are saying is somehow true. That's a problem, my brother. We must, we must cry out to God and say, God, Lord, I, I just surrender everything. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than some earthly king, to be a king in an earthly domain. Lord, I'd rather have Jesus. Surrender yourself, surrender your heart, surrender your life. And then finally, there's faith to receive. You come by faith. You come by faith. Because God is near. I said, God is near. I got to ask my people. I said, God is near. God is near. He says, don't go. Don't say, who will go all to the heavens to bring Christ down? Or who will go down to the deep? You don't have to make God very complicated. He said, well, if you're really going to pray now, you will stretch yourself like this. Then you will do like this. You pray hallelujah five times. No. God is not like that. He says, the word is near you. The word. The word of sanctification. The word of purity is near you. It says, it's by faith. In Acts 15, verse 8, let's read that before we go to the body of prayer. Acts 15, and I'm reading from verse 8. 
Acts chapter 15, verse 10. Go and see how Stephen was simply sanctified. Very simple. In Acts 15 and verse 8, it says there, And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. Verse 9, And he put no difference between us and them. He put no difference between you and Paul. He put no difference between you and Mary. He put no difference between you and Abraham. He put no difference between you and Sarah. People say, well, these are special people. People say, no. The word is for you. The promise is for you. The blessing is for you. The transformation is for you. It was for Paul, for Timothy, for Titus. It's also for you. He says, and put no difference between us and them. Purifying their hearts by faith. Brothers, we can be purified. That our wife, our wife will say, this is the best husband in the whole world. Praise the Lord. That the husband will say, this is the best wife. In fact, God, I, I thank you. This is the greatest gift you have given me. It can happen. I said it will happen. Let's rise on our feet. Let's go to God in prayer. I want to, I want to really ask the Lord. I said, Lord, I want you to purify my heart. Lord, I want that heart of flesh. I don't want this uh, thing, this uh, thing I'm managing now. I want something real, something new, something different, something blessed, something heavenly, something come from the throne of grace. Lord, I lay down what I have. Lord, what I have is not showing up the beauty of God. Lord, you said a new heart will you give me. A new spirit will you put with me. I will give you an heart of flesh. I will give you an heart of flesh. I will take the heart of stone. As the Lord said, Lord, I bring myself before you. You lay yourself at the foot of the cross. And I said, Lord, I want to be like Jesus in every way, in every manner, in every area of my life. I want to be like Jesus. I want us to pray. If my prayer will receive, if my prayer will get from God, sanctification is the gift of God. If you consecrate yourself, if you cry out to God and say, God, I am not what I'm supposed to be. I am not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not who God wants me to be. God can change me. Why are you rising and falling? When going back and forth, say, Lord, transform me. Say, Lord, renew me. Say, Lord, change me. Say, Lord, take away the heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Take away the heart of stone, oh God. Allow the Lord to walk in your life, my brother, my sister. There is still time, there is still mercy at the foot of the cross. While the door of his mercy is open to you, and the depth of his love, you exalt, be exhausted. Would you come and be healed? Would you whisper, I yield? I have counted the cost. Call upon the Lord and say, Lord, help me, help me, help me. I can hear you pray now. Pray and say, Lord, Lord, help me, oh God. My human heart, Lord, my, my, my heart, heart, Lord, I want you to replace it with the heart of flesh. Lord, I want to be like Jesus, meekly enduring cruel reproaches. We need to suffer all that's to suffer. Let's not react like the world. Let's not respond like the world. Let's not be so touchy and sensitive and so. And let us allow Lord Jesus to transform our lives. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Put on Christ in your mind, in your conduct, in your desires, in your dreams, in your aspirations. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and let the product and the evidence of the new life to manifest in your life. Where are the fruits of the Spirit in your life? Where is love? Where is love suffering? Where is joy? Where is goodness? Where is Where are all the praise, brotherly kindness and charity? Let's allow the Lord to walk in our hearts this day. Oh Lord, we are praying this morning. Lord, I want to be here to see. We don't go back the way we came on God. Father, we're asking the Lord to give us a new heart. Cry out for a new heart. Cry out for a new spirit. Cry out and say, God, change me, O God. In the name of Jesus, I criticize easily. Lord, Father, I reach judgment easily. Oh Lord, please forgive me. Oh Lord, please cleanse me. Oh Lord, give me the heart of flesh. Give me the heart of flesh. Oh Lord, make me like Jesus in my relationships. Walk with another. In my relationship at home. In my relationship among the people of God. In my relationship with your Savior. Lord, let me shine forth and show forth the beauty of the holiness of God in my life in the name of Jesus. My brother, this is the promise of God. He said, without spot, without wrinkles. Do you have wrinkles in your life? I need spiritual wrinkles. Do you have spots in your life? 
And in spiritual spots, the spots of a leper, the spots of inconsistency, the spots of corruption. Ask the Lord, say, Lord, cleanse me, O God. Cleanse me. All human skill is vain, but Lord, thou canst cleanse each stain until not one spot remain. Sin, sin from sin. Are you sin from sin entirely? Is God pleased with you? Because the truth of God, you realize God wants God pleased. Or to bring God to God, say, Lord, I want the level is pleasing to you. I want, I want a heart pleasing to you. I want a disposition pleasing to you. Allow the Lord to walk in your life. Allow the Lord to walk in your heart. Allow the Lord to walk in your spirit. Surrender yourself to the Lord. Surrender yourself to the Lord. Say, Lord, help me, O God. Lord, help me, O God. Lord, help me, O God. You will be different. You will be different. He will do it this morning. Cry out to God. He puts no difference between you and the saints of old. He put no difference, no difference, no demarcation. There is no demarcation. 